Well, my name is Greg Fraser. I'm one of the pastors here at the Father's House, and we are just so thankful that you are here with us today to celebrate what I think is the most important weekend in human history. And uh, that's a pretty big claim. I, I believe that, uh, you know, when you understand uh, this weekend, you really begin to understand the human condition, don't you? Because in this weekend, you see that there was terrible suffering and terrible pain, and then you see there was terrible victory and uh, incredible victory and incredible joy, all mixed into one weekend. And I think it's a picture of the human race. And really, I I believe that you can be changed by this weekend. Your life can change forever. I believe your family's life can change forever. You know, I'm going to tell you that my life changed forever because of this weekend. I'm going to have just my family, my family, if, my, if you are related to me or about to be related to me, I want you to stand. These people all were changed by the kingdom of God, by Jesus coming, by this weekend. Let's give them a hand. Amen. And uh, some almost 30 years ago, when I first came into a church like this uh, to go to my sister-in-law's baptism, God began to get a hold of my heart and reveal his kingdom to me. You know, I kind of one of those guys that always believed in God but didn't really know that I could have a relationship with him. And this weekend makes that relationship possible. That's quite a sales pitch for one weekend. But I want you to understand something. I'm actually underselling it. I'm actually underselling, really, what is available for mankind because of the message of this incredible weekend. In the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see the hope of humanity. And I want you to understand, you know, we were singing earlier about the blood of Jesus, and that's kind of weird, like this is supposed to be a happy day. But do you understand that Jesus died so that you and I could find life? And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to begin to understand that. You know, it's into the human condition. I want you to understand. Jesus came and suffered a terrible death on Good Friday and was resurrected to new life just three days later. And it's into our condition that I want you to understand that God brings the gift and gives the gift of his son Jesus to you and to me. And because he lives, he overcame death and he overcame hell, and he overcame the grave, and he came to change your life and my life. Let's talk about that gift for just a second before I pray. It says in John 3.16, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and a lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put things right again. Let's pray and find out what it means that that gift has come for you and me. And how, because he lives... It can change my life and your life. So Father, come now and teach us. Holy Spirit, you are here. Your presence is among us. Lord, I remember when I was in that church some 30 years ago, how strangely weird it felt to be in the presence of God, and yet how wonderful it felt. 
And so, Lord, I pray that all fears will be laid aside, all doubts and all worries, and just say, I'm here to listen to you, God. If you're real, make yourself known to me. And I pray, God, that you will give every single person here eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive and respond to your Holy Spirit that they might find life and life abundant. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you the very first thing about this gift. The gift was freely given. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. And I want you to understand, this is a gift that was given, and it's a gift that cannot be ungiven. Do you know that if you're a part of the world, if you raise your hand, if you're part of the world? 83 of you did not raise your hand. This is planet Earth. Stop watching Star Trek. You are here. Okay, so, so you're part of planet Earth. You understand that God gave you a gift. Such an incredible gift, the gift of his son. And we really don't comprehend the value of this gift and, and why this gift is so important. This gift was given so that your life might be saved. And let me tell you just a little story that kind of illustrates how important and how valuable this gift really is. The story takes place in the Roaring Twenties in Oklahoma. And uh, John Griffith was a man who, uh, and suffering through the Great Depression, he was newly married and, uh, you know, was desperate to find a job. And so he moved close to uh, the Mississippi River to take over a job of being one who was the, the worker of the suspension bridge. So he was the operator of a suspension bridge that would elevate so ships could go through and they would lower so that the trains could pass over. And so that was his job. He went there with his wife. And shortly after going there, they had a, a little boy. And that little boy's name was Greg. And for several years, he worked as the, the bridge operator, lowering the bridge and raising the bridge and all the things it did. So one day he decided to take Greg with him to work. So he took Greg to work and they, they, they climbed up carefully onto the catwalk and then they went up to the control room. They had to climb a ladder to get into the control room. So, so John was helping his son Greg up there and his son was kind of mesmerized by the hugeness, the vastness of this bridge. And he was amazed. He thought his dad was one of the most amazing men in the world because he would pull down on this lever and the whole bridge would raise up. Whole section of the bridge would go up and all of a sudden the ships could go through underneath. And the son was like, wow, dad, you're the most important person in all the world. And together he was telling him, the dad was telling him stories about the ships and where they were coming and where they were going to and, and how exciting it was. And then all of a sudden it was noon, it was time for lunch and he had raised the bridge so that the ships that were coming could pass through. But they went down out of the control room and, and walked on the catwalk and then got onto some grass right next to the bridge to have their lunch. So Greg was just enamored with his dad as his dad was sharing the stories. But something happened. They just kind of lost track of time. And suddenly they heard a whistle in the distance. And the whistle was a train, the Memphis Express, which was just a few minutes away. And the whistle was telling them they needed to cross the bridge. Suddenly Greg re or John remembered he had left the bridge up. So he told his young son, he said, stay here. And he ran and he jumped and he got onto the catwalk and he ran up and he got on the ladder, he climbed up and he did what he was trained to do. He looked and made sure there was no ships coming left or right and then he surveyed the situation and then he looked down, which he was supposed to do to make sure before lowering the bridge that everything was safe. And when he looked down to his horror, he saw his son in the gears of the bridge. His son had tried to follow him, it seems. And while climbing up the catwalk, he had fallen off and he was laying in the gears of the massive bridge. 
John went into panic mode. How can I get my son out? He could hear the whistle of the train. He knew it was approaching quickly. And he was thinking to himself, I've got to save my son. And, and you know, he's thinking, I, I can grab a rope. I can swing down. I can get down there. And then suddenly he had that moment of realization. I'm not going to make it in time. There's no way I can do this and save the people on the train. Some 400 souls that were traveling toward them on the Memphis Express. So he buried his arm his face into his arm, and he pulled the lever. The screams of his son were drowned out by the, the bridge moving into place just in time as the train came around the corner and crossed over the Mississippi River. And you say to yourself, how could he do that? You know, he's watching the faces of the people on the train. They had no idea. He could see the first-class people, they were sipping their tea. They, they had no idea what he had just done, the sacrifice that he had just made so that they would be saved and they would be safe. But that train made it across. And that story is kind of a picture of what Jesus has done for humanity. But even Jesus's is a greater story because even though that was a tragic story about John and Greg, I want you to understand there was an accident that caused that story to happen, but God purposed his son to come to this earth to save you and I. He actually gave his son. Do you know the Bible says that before the creation of the world that Jesus Christ was crucified? And what that means is that Jesus knew he would have to die in order for you and I to find life and life with God. Now, you're saying to yourself, because you're smart people, I didn't really ask him to do that. But can you imagine if you were one of those people on the Memphis train and you heard maybe a day later or two days later or four days later what John had done and the sacrifice that he had made? Even though you were unaware, even though you didn't ask him to do it, how would you feel in that moment when you realized that this man gave his son so that I might live? I, I, I think I would be so thankful. I think I would be changed by that sacrifice. I think I would write a letter. I think I would go to him. I think I would say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Incredible. You see, this son was given, guys. It was a gift that was freely given. Even though some people may not have thanked John for the sacrifice of his son. Even though some would have thought, oh, well, too bad his son shouldn't have been playing there. He still gave the gift. That's what God did for you and I. That's the gift that was given, the gift that was freely given. It, we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. Yet God said, I'm giving it to you anyway. The gift of my son. And here's the gift that we need to understand. You know, we need to understand that Jesus came and he, and he died for our sins. He died for those things that kept us separated from God, even though we didn't ask him. And you might be thinking, well, you know, I don't, I don't really see why he needed to do that. But if we're really honest, just for a minute, if we're really honest, I think we can see. I think we can see why God would need to save us. And I think that's the second thing you need to understand about this gift. This gift frees us from our fear. This is what the text said. Because God gave the gift, this is why. That no one need to be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and a lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. He came to put the world right again. You know, there's a scripture in the book of Isaiah as well that talks about a people that are walking in, in darkness 
have seen a great light. It says those living in the land of the shadow of death, in the land of deep darkness, a great light has dawned. You see, every one of us need to understand that each one of us are walking in this deep darkness. And, and what is the deep darkness referring to? You know, every single human being in this room, every one of us, and every one of us that's not in this room, we all have a common path. I want you to understand what our common path is. Our common path is that each one of us is going to go through suffering. I just shared this on Good Friday with the church service combined with us in the Alliance Church. But there's a common path of humanity that everybody, every person you meet, every single person in this room understands what it means to suffer. It, we all suffer different things and we all go through different things, but every one of us is on this common path. Jesus said, take heart, you know, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have pain. You're going to have suffering. You're going to have sorrow, but I've overcome and I've made a way for you to overcome. So there's a common path, but there's also a, a common pathos. And that word pathos just means, that's where we get our word pathology. And like a pathology of a disease. And every human in this room has a common pathology as well. Not only do we have a common path of, of, of going through the struggles of life, but also the blessings of life, but we have a common pathology. And that pathology is a thing called sin. Every single human being is united by those two things. You understand, you understand something's broken in your life. You understand, you know, maybe, maybe not, you, you're totally honest in that moment and you're looking in the mirror and you're going, holy smokes, there's something in my life. There's a darkness that's part of my life, a deep darkness. And let me describe it for each one of us because it's going to be different for each one of us. I think there's emotional darkness that we all go through. Feeling of a disconnection from our true self. You know, we have those moments of clarity when you're like, man... If anybody really knew me, would they love me? We kind of have that emotional darkness in our life. And I think there's also a spiritual darkness, a feeling of disconnection from God. We even ask, is he even real? Is he even out there? You know, I do many funerals. I've done probably a few hundred funerals in my, in my time as a minister. And what's incredible is that each one of us comes to that point in our lives where we're like, is God real? We all want heaven to be real when we're faced with death. We all want God to be real. We all want God to be good and to be loving and to give us meaning in the midst of the struggle and the battle. I think that there's social darkness in our world. There's a feeling of disconnection between each one of us. Even when we're married, there's points and times where we're like, man, I just don't get you. Why can't you be more like me? Don't ever say that, by the way. That is not a good point to start in your marriage. Mitchell, who's getting married in two weeks. Don't ever say that, Mitchell. We know there's a moral darkness in our world, isn't there? A disconnection from the wholeness of life that God wants and life abundant. You know, I find it amazing in our world today that the solution to brokenness is to create more brokenness. No, the solution is to create freedom and victory and life even in the midst of suffering. See, what the Bible calls that, bark, that darkness sin. And God didn't send his point and point his finger at us in order to condemn us, but he sent his son to die for us. He sent his son so that you and I could have life. That's the meaning of the Easter weekend. This is what we're celebrating. You know, 
Holly was quoting that scripture from 1 Corinthians 15. It says, death swallowed up in triumphant light. Who got the last word, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening and law co-guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, and death are gone. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ. This is the Easter weekend, guys. This is what we're celebrating. I'm telling you right now, Jesus was so awesome. Jesus was so incredible. The grip of death could not hold him. I mean, it's amazing. He is dead for three days. He's been scourged every, you know, I'm telling you, he's broken. He's been crucified. But so great is the life within him. So powerful is the seed of the anointing of life in him that he literally bursts out of death. And in doing so, gives you victory over death. He offers it to you. He is the gift. And he's the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) It's not just victory over death that he comes to set you free from. It's not just victory over darkness. It's not just victory over the stuff that you're facing in your life. I'm telling you, he comes and he gives and he gives and he keeps on giving. That's the gift. (laughs) It's the gift that never ends. You know, there's a scripture again in Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of the Lord Jesus, all of us, because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. You know, I could look at that one chapter Just that one chapter, you know, the Bible has 1,189 chapters. And just that one chapter tells me so much about the gift that I'm telling you, I I just, I, I don't unpack the gift enough. Are you following me? There's so much left on the table with me and God. God is like, Greg, this is what I have for you. Will you open the gift? Will you take the gift? I've given you the gift. I can't give it back. I can't take it back. I don't want to. I want you to open the gift. Well, what's more? What more could Jesus do than die for me? You know, here are just a few things. If you were to read that chapter, you're going to find out that he chose you. He picked you. In the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of the things that are wrong in your life, he said, I'm going to pick that one. And I'm going to offer them my gift. The gift of my son. He chose you and he connected you to himself. And he said, I'm going to make you holy and whole. Holy is not a scary word. It just means to be the things that are broken in your life to be fixed. That's a good word. Amen? We'll take that gift. But that's just one little part of it. I'm just unwrapping the gift. You know what he does? He adopts you as his son or his daughter into his kingdom. He says, come, I'm going to, you know, one minute you're standing before God. He's like a judge. The next minute, if you say, I'm guilty, he says, okay, now I'm going to adopt you and make you my son or my daughter. Crazy. It's a crazy gift. And this is what the, I'm telling you, I undersold this whole thing at the beginning. I undersold it. He goes on and he cancels our debt, putting all of our sin, that which has separated us from God, he puts it upon Jesus on the cross. He makes us clean. (laughs) So that when he looks at me, he sees his son. Because he sees me wrapped in Jesus. That's what our text says. I mean, I'm just keeping going here. He walks with us daily in our life. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand, the Holy Spirit, 
himself is God, and he says, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in every single person who calls upon me and asks me to receive the gift of Jesus. I will give them a deposit guaranteeing that one day I'm coming back to be with them again. And that Holy Spirit, if you think of it like an engagement ring, it's like you're the, you know, if you were the bride and you get the gate ring and you know one day the, the bridegroom's coming and he's coming to marry me. And that's what Jesus is saying. I've given you a deposit. I've given you a guarantee. This is part of the gift. The gift that keeps on giving. Wow. You see, I could talk about the healing of our hearts, our bodies, our souls. I could talk about joy. I could talk about hope. I could talk about strength. I could talk about purpose. I could talk about finding meaning in the midst of suffering. All of these things are part of the gift that keeps on giving. It's a gift that was given and can't be ungiven. It's a gift that frees us from our sin and from the grip of fears, uh, fears grip and death. It frees us and it keeps on giving us and giving us and giving us. What's the catch? It's the gift that requires a great exchange. It says, by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and a lasting life. See, Jesus was speaking to a woman one time, and she had just experienced tremendous grief in her life. Her brother, whom Jesus loved, the Bible says, had died. His name was Lazarus, and he had been dead. And she called Jesus to ask him to come. He was a few days away. She, she asked him to come to pray for her brother because he, you know, he was sick. And he died in that time, and Jesus came four days later. He shows up, and Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. And the sister's very heartbroken, and, and she's also very angry, actually, at God. Why didn't you come? Why do I have to go through this suffering? You could have changed this. And he said, Jesus, if you had been here, none of this would have happened. And then Jesus looks at her and literally puts her on the spot. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he, he will live. And then he turns to her and he says, Martha, do you believe this? Do you understand in that moment what he was saying to Martha was, Martha... I want you to give me your pain. I want you to give me your doubt and your fear. I want you to give me your life and to trust me in this moment. And I think that's the same question that Jesus asks of every single one of us. Do you believe that I would love you enough? Do you believe that I came so that you could be set free from your brokenness and your hurt and your pain and your despair in this world? Do you believe that? Will you open the gift? See, the great exchange is necessary. I remember when I was first a new believer, making this trade with God was one of the things that I needed to do. And I remember I, I had my, my, my cousin. He was a big burly guy. His name was Hugh. And Hugh grew up as a pastor's kid, but he kind of went astray. You know what I'm saying? Hugh just did his own thing. And, and, and then all of a sudden, all of my brothers and sisters became believers, and he was like, what is going on with my partying cousins that now are partying in a different way? And so he came to my brother's house, my sister-in-law's house, and we were talking to him, and I just had this phrase going through my mind continually as I talked to Hugh. I said, Hugh, what is holding you back? 
why would you not make the exchange? <laughs> why wouldn't you open the gift? And you got to understand, Hugh was a huge bodybuilder, muscular guy. So, you know, he just seemed to be, I don't, didn't seem to be going anywhere. So I got up to go to the washroom. And then all of a sudden he starts running after me down the hallway of my brothers. And I'm running for my life thinking, Hugh's about to thump me. I went too far preaching the gospel to him. And he grabs me and he pulls me into the bathroom. And I'm like, yes, sir. He says, I can't let go of what you're telling me. I want to get my life right with God. So right there in my brother and sister-in-law's bathroom, I led my brother, my cousin Hugh to Jesus Christ and it came out of the bathroom and said, Hugh got saved. He made the exchange. And they were all like, why didn't he do it with us? It was pretty awesome. But we got to make the trade. You see, it's kind of like the story, let's make a deal. You ever seen Let's Make a Deal? Tell me, if, raise your hand if you've ever seen the game show Let's Make a Deal. Okay, Let's Make a Deal in its original state was Monty Hall was the game show host and you, people would dress up in ridiculous outfits and then they would take all these like trinkets from their home and they would be ready to make a deal with Monty Hall. Monty Hall would say, you know, if anybody's got a paperclip, I will make a deal with them and somebody would hold up the paperclip. Woo, here's my paperclip, woo! And they get, a, they get a deal for door number one Door number two, door number three, but they didn't know they had to give up their paperclip in order to get door number one, door number two, number three. You're following me? I think there's a, Wayne Brady is the new host of it. It's actually still going to this day. And so I'm going to tell you something that Jesus is actually looking to make a deal. It's a spiritual deal. But here's, here's the thing. He's not asking you to actually dress up into really unique outfits. He's actually asking you to uncover He's asking you to say, you know what, I, if I'm honest, if I'm honest, there's some darkness in my life. If I'm honest, I need a savior. If I'm honest, I need something that's outside of myself. I need you. And he's saying, will you make a trade with me? Will you make a trade with me? Will you give me your broken life for my whole life? Will, will you say, Jesus, come into my life and forgive me? And help me to live with you and for you. And I make the trade. I think you're crazy. You're taking your life and you gave it to me for my life? I'm in. I'm in. That's what happened to me my, when I went to my sister-in-law's baptism on my 20, just before my 21st birthday, eight days before, as a matter of fact. And, and, and the guy said, do you want to make the trade? And I'm like, who wouldn't want to make the trade? I'm like, Raising my hand. I'm like, I'm in. I don't have a clue what I'm saying. My prayer of salvation was, God, I don't know what you're doing, but it feels awesome. That's, that was it. That was my prayer of salvation. I'm in. I'm in, Lord. You know, making the trade sometimes is hard, isn't it? I'm going to tell you a story. And as I prepare to tell you the story, I'm going to ask the band to come back because we're going to sing that song the choir did one last time. You guys can make your way up here. Try not to distract them. They're paying attention to me. <laughs> Here's the story. There was a, a family. There was a father and a mother and a son. The son was a early, in his early teenage years, the wife became sick, the mother became sick, and she died. They were a Christian family, they were a believing family, and the son became extremely embittered at God. 
he was so angry that God would take his mom. And his dad was continually trying to talk to his son to say, it's not God's fault. God is with us, here with us. Hang on to God. But the son wouldn't listen. Finally, for years, the son and the, and the, and the father would be fighting and trying to reconcile, but nothing seemed to be working. Then the son was about to graduate. He said, uh, you know, the father said to him, what do you want for your graduation? The son said, I want a car because I want to get out of here. So the father went with the son and they looked at new cars. Not, not heavily pricey cars, but new cars nonetheless, which is a pretty significant gift for graduates. And uh, finally they picked the car and the father said, okay. The day of graduation came and the father called the son into his study in the house. And uh, what happened was the son walked in and, he, and the father said, I have a gift for you for your graduation. And he handed him a gift. And when the son was puzzled because he was expecting a car, and, and what he did is he opened the gift and he found out it was, it was actually a Bible. And that's kind of what he did. He dropped the lid and he looked at it and he didn't even take it out of the box. He just opened the front page. And there was an inscription from his dad and it said, son, I wanted to give you the gift that is the most important gift of all so that you would understand what life is really all about. Love, Dad. The son just looked down at the Bible and looked at his father, calmly closed it, and threw it on the table and said, I am never coming back to this house again. And he walked out. For 20 years, the dad tried to reach the son. Tracked him down. The son even moved to a different city he would constantly be calling him and trying to get him to reconcile, but the son had, would have nothing to do with it. Finally, a call came in that he didn't recognize 20 years later, and he picked up the phone, and here it was not his father, but his father's lawyer saying, your father has passed away. So he took a few days off work, and he traveled to the city where his dad was, and he went into the house where he had grown up. And he went into the study where he had last spoken to his father, and to his amazement, he saw the Bible sitting on the desk. And he picked it up again, and he opened it the way he did the first time. And that old anger started to fill his heart as he read the inscription once again. But this time he took the Bible out of its case. And what he saw shocked him. Because there was a check underneath the Bible, and it was dated the day before the graduation. It was made out in his name. It was an, a money order for the exact amount of the new car. But you see, he left the gift unopened. He never received the blessing that the Father had for him. And that's really our story today. Are you going to leave the gift unopened? See, it's your choice. The gift is given. It can't be taken back. The gift is for you, from a father who loves you. But you can walk away and leave that gift unopened. I want you to bow your heads, and we're going to pray just before the choir sings. For me, it it was eight days before my 21st birthday that I was in a service like this and the pastor was preaching. And he said to me, young man, 
Will you lift your hand and will you let the Spirit of God fill the sails of your life, take you on a new journey? And I remember the weight of the world was on my hand that day. I felt like if I put my hand up, I knew everything was about to change. I knew that I had to let go of my life to receive his life. And I remember when I lifted my hand in the air, I felt the power of God flow into me. And it changed me from that day forward. You know, my cousin Hugh, when he asked Jesus into his life, it wasn't but a few years later that he died. But he was ready to meet his maker. But today you need to make a decision. Jesus has come all the way to you. He has paid every price that can be paid. He has given the gift, but will you open the gift? And you open it by saying, God, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and help me to live for you and with you every day. And so I'm gonna ask you boldly now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are here today and you're saying, Pastor Greg, I need to ask God to come and rescue me from my darkness and to live for him. And you're gonna make that commitment. The Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you will believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so today is your day to receive that gift. I want you to raise your hand at me. Like I had to raise my hand some 30 years ago and say, yes, yes, I see your hand. Yes, 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 yes in the back. Yes in the back. Yes, raise it high. Give me a wave. Many, many people receiving Jesus Christ today as Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Every single person that has raised their hand, or if you've ever raised your hand, you're going to pray a prayer together with me, with everyone that has raised their hand. You're going to say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus and giving him as a gift to me. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive my sins. And I ask you to help me to live for you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord and all these wonderful people a hand clap right now. Welcome to the family.